0: Jenna, welcome to the podcast. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Sorry
1: for all the the tech difficulties before this.
0: (laughs) That's okay. There will always be more tech difficulties. That's, I mean, that's why you get into tech is to troubleshoot. (laughs) Um, It's true. It is very true. I'm super glad to have you because you are a longtime YouTuber that does fantastic work. You've done, you, you, you are so like regularly on top of anything that's happening. Um, Also a great follow on Twitter. So, I mean, if anybody isn't already following you, They should be. And you also have a podcast yourself. So, podcast Mm -hmm. listeners, there's another good one called Same Brain. So, check it out.
1: Thank you so much. I try. Um, Yeah, I've been doing YouTube for over 10 years, maybe 11 years at this point. Um, I started off doing like vlogs. And it's funny because, like, past year and a half or two years, two years ago, I was like, I'm going to get into travel videos. Like, I'm going to go travel. It's going to be great. It's going to be all my content. And then, obviously, a a pandemic happened and I kind of shifted my stuff to more tech. Like, I've always been interested in tech, but. Shifted more towards tech, so now I feel like that's uh, that's what I do. I just sit inside and talk about tech.
0: But I, I like that you are still vlogging. Like you're uh, out of all yes. my subscriptions, you're one of the few people that keeps vlogging. A lot of people that used to have totally dropped out from it. But you had a bunch of recent ones. I mean, you were vlogging from Hawaii. You were there right before I was there, so there was I got oh, really? I got a preview. I'm like, oh, this is this is what I'm going to be seeing. And Then we were there like the next week, so um, I got a I, I, and. You're on Oahu, right?
1: Yes. It's my favorite island. I love it so much.
0: Well, it's the only one I've been to. But so, yeah, you were going to it's all the, the best places, one.
1: Well, so. oh, man, it's so nice. And I, I like I miss vlogging because I I definitely haven't done it as much because I did it so much. And like I shared so much of my life. Um, I feel like for a while I had to like step back and only do like what I what I wanted to do. So like now I'm like, OK, like I'm ready to vlog again. I'm ready to, you know share my life, you know, most of my life and just, you know, bring the audience back because it is what I like. And definitely on my channel, I don't have like, I do not follow anything that the algorithm supports. Like I do what I want and I know it hurts my channel, but it's what I want to do. So I'm having fun with it.
0: Well, I'd love to hear just a little more about the origin of that. I mean, I'm just into long-term YouTubers because it's one thing to, you know, try to just like pick it up and, and, you know, see if you can see if you can make a, a run at it, which a lot of people try it and don't stick with it. But doing it for a really long time is amazing. I mean, I did that actually. I started early, then I completely stopped for years and years, which was always a big mistake, I think. But what was it like for you early on and how has it changed till now? Like what's what's the difference of being a YouTuber in 2021?
1: Oh my gosh, almost 2022. Um, it's interesting because mm. I feel like we, have, like we have gone through like all of the phases. It's like, okay, vlogs, unedited, raw, shot from your phone. And then it's like, okay, now YouTube wants pranks. And then it's like, okay, now YouTube wants, I don't know, some other type of video. And it's like, okay, now they they really like tech, which I'm like, cool. So it's like going through the phase and trying to like figure out what YouTube wants is always like a very exhausting process. And I feel like that's when I just kind of like stop. Like I've been so close to hitting 1 million subscribers for so long. And I've just like stopped caring. I'm like, you know what? If it happens, it happens. But I'm just going to post what I want. I'm going to stay true to myself and my content. And like, honestly, like my views have gone down, but my like brand deals and my partnerships with like, you know, big brands that I've always wanted to work with has like gone up. So I feel like just kind of staying consistent and like staying true to yourself. Like that's what matters most to me. And, you know, trying to bring back the vlogs because I know my channel wants the vlogs.
0: No, I mean, that's the way. That's exactly the answer I'd love to hear from everybody, because if you burn out and if you don't enjoy the stuff that you're making, then it's not great for you or the viewers. Like everybody wants you to be enjoying it. Um, So, I I mean, we've obviously all been there where it's like, wow, I feel a little stressed out making a YouTube video today, but being able to stick with the long term is awesome. And it's great to hear that it's still like working for you, you know, structuring it that way. Uh, I I do feel like there's always this, this thing, like, you know, speaking of sponsors, that There's this appreciation, like when you have a real connection to your audience, when they trust what you have to say, when they like watching you, it's not always all about the numbers. Uh, Often it's just about like, you know, working with somebody that they like and you know, uh, be, being able to just have that career in any way. It's like, I, I feel pretty lucky that we get to do it at all. This episode is brought to you by Flipboard. Go to flipboard.com Stallman. And you can follow the latest stuff that I've been posting about Apple and photography and cinematography and filmmaking. And I mean, everything that I'm into, it's just a great place to both share articles that you like, but also find content about everything that you're into. Flipboard's both an app for your iPhone, iPad or desktop, whatever you want to use it on. It'll work and sync across all of them and basically gives you a magazine experience that is just, you know, really beautiful and visual but also content rich. So, you both can be getting Things from people that you're into. So, you know, similar to following somebody on Twitter, you can see what is coming up lately. That's how I share my stuff. But you can also follow a topic. And a great example is their photography area. Check out sections like there's the shot, which is going to give you specific, great, curated photos that will keep you inspired every day. There's a community section so you can connect with other photographers around the world and know what they're up to and, you know, connect with the community, you know, communities work. And then there's also videos. So this is just specifically a feed of interesting videos that are especially like tutorials, ways to learn more about photography. Like I did that recent one all about the basics, like just the fundamentals of exposure, that's aperture, ISO and shutter speed, all of that. Is shared on Flipboard. So head over to it today. You can just, I mean, just download it. You don't have to go to my girl, just download Flipboard from the app store or go to flipboard.com Stallman. And thanks again to Flipboard for supporting the show. Speaking of YouTube though, like I'd love to know a little bit about how you make stuff as well, because I've seen some of the cameras that you're using and they're not the same cameras that I am. You're in the Sony world and there's yes. been some cool stuff happening over there lately. You guys did a review of the Sony a seven four on your trip to Hawaii, and mm-hmm. it looks pretty awesome. So, yeah, I, what can you tell me firsthand uh, experience of, of working with that camera?
1: Yeah, so we had the opportunity to actually be in. um It's like Sony's. It was basically their launch commercial for for the A seven four, and it was just honestly so. It was really cool. It was basically like me and my sister's dream to be a part of that. Like. I've been using Sony for, oh gosh, I don't even know how long now, but a a pretty long time. And before that, I would only use the Sony a7S3s. Uh, Before that, I had the uh, S2 and actually the Sony a7 III. So anyway, the Sony a7 IV, it's great. So I really like, they've kind of done, they've redesigned the the dial on it. So they have a part where it's like for the camera, the video, and then the S&Q. So you can easily toggle between those three which is basically like the three that I use the most, you know, quickly take a picture, get that slow-mo uh, and then go back to video mode. So I like that. I also like that um, it has like a focus map feature now because I do film a lot myself. There's been so many times I'm filming and I think it's in focus and it was completely out of focus. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I have to reshoot this whole video. So there are like these mm-hmm. tiny little features, which I mean, to me, it's going to make like a huge difference. I unfortunately had to give the camera back, but December, I'm excited to, you know, get my hands back on it and incorporate it into my studio.
0: Yeah, that was a lot of the, because the last time I was using Sony full-time was the A7 III. And I talked about it a lot on the podcast at the time. I I loved that level of hybrid, like, you know, an approachable price point. So anybody could be, you know, consider getting it. It's not extremely expensive, but lets you do full-on professional quality Except for a few things in terms of video with the A7 III, especially 8-bit video. That's what drove me crazy. And a lot of the reason I stopped Mm -hmm. using it is um, because S-Log3 doesn't work in 8-bit. So I was shooting HLG, and then I found it hard to get the colors to look right. S-Log2 is a bit of a compromise compared to some of these, you know, to the dynamic range of the newer cameras. So anyway, it was just these, like, it was all these details. It's like it was almost there. Um, Always had amazing photo quality. But so now it feels like a lot of that has been resolved with the a seven four. So it really can be this, like, if, if you can make the price, which I don't remember the price of it, but I know it's, it's mid range, right? It's not as high as uh, like a Canon R five or the Sony a one, or like, it's not at the pro price level. You can mm-hmm. do pro jobs with it. Like there's no limitations in terms of what kind of work you can do at a mid range camera price. So that's why I've always loved sure. it. It's just like this, like, enabling camera for everyone to, to really not feel any kinds of limitations. And I always think those are the most interesting cameras, even more. I don't know. Sometimes I think the high end ones are the most interesting, depending on my mood, (laughs) but it really, the the things that allow the most people to do the most stuff are kind of the coolest. Um, With that uh, focus. Wait, what's the feature called? The focus map. Focus map. Yeah. Focus map. Yeah. How does that, so is the idea that like you have the camera far away from you and you can just tell what's going on, Even if the screen's not big enough?
1: Um, So basically, like, I mean, I usually never have my camera like way too far, but what it does is it'll take, you know, in the monitor and it'll have, it'll basically add like little colored blocks and whatever is in focus, it won't have blocks around it. And then it'll have different color degrees to see like what's like definitely out of focus, what's like slightly in focus and stuff like that. So like when I'm filming myself, if I have my camera, you know, five feet away, I can see all of the color around it, what's out of focus and there's nothing on my face which means, you know, that my face is in focus or if I'm filming like my screen, sometimes filming like a, you know, like a computer or some type of screen, it's hard to tell what's in focus. It'll just give you that like visual, which I feel like is super helpful.
0: Yeah. It can be really hard to like monitoring can be the biggest challenge sometimes, especially when you're doing a one person production studio, (laughs) it can be nothing (laughs) but troubleshooting. (laughs) And it's, I mean, if, if anybody follows YouTubers on Twitter, you're probably used to us all complaining about, production issues all the time. It's like, oh, I forgot to plug my audio in. Now I have to re-record the last two hours or yeah, everything was out of focus. So these things are a huge benefit to us. Another one that I really like that um, at first I thought it'd be really subtle. And a lot of people have since shown, I've seen some examples where I'm like, oh, this is actually really exciting is the... Uh, focus breathing correction. Yes. And this is just digitally zooming in and out slightly on the image so that if you move... Back, so in the examples I've seen, the best one I saw was Jesse Driftwood who was showing it in his A-roll, that just like leaning back and forth, you can see the the corners of the frame get wider and narrower as it focuses because there's pretty strong breathing on some of those high-end Sony lenses and what it seems to do you know you tell me because you got to use it is it just digitally crops in and out at the exact same speed as that um, breathing is happening so you just have none and usually you have to spend a ton of money to get cinema lenses that aren't going to breathe like that and now all of a sudden it's like well that's that could make certain situations better than like the Sony A1, which doesn't have that correction, right? Like it's, it's a really awesome feature and I hope becomes standard on everything someday.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. And I, I feel like it probably will be, I feel like that was like a huge step for at least, you know, cameras. And I guess I never really realized how much that bothered me until I saw that there was a solution for it. So yeah, I used the, I use that with the 50 millimeter uh, 1.2 and I did like a quick test of like a, I don't even know what, like a lens and I'm like, I had a plant the back of it. And I was just doing touch to focus. And it was just like seamlessly transitioning the focus with like none of the cropping in and out. And I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't even know this was like possible. So I feel like it's one of those like minor things that I didn't know I needed until I realized how much it bothered me that that was actually a thing before that it was like cropping in and out.
0: Which color profile do you shoot with?
1: So, um, I, this, okay. You're hearing this first. I don't like color grading and color correcting so <laughs> i try to allowed, avoid it at all costs here's the thing so i i struggle with editing and not like struggle i, I just it's not my favorite thing to do because i feel like i've been so busy so i have I, i've been avoiding it um i just i just don't do it i'm so sorry everyone
0: D- does that mean you're using what's uh... Sinistyle? style no what's it called
1: no I just use like a regular like oh, I don't what's use anything oh. <laughs> yeah I don't use any any picture profiles I have I can't do it like I just feel like I've already if it's something that I'm like I think some of the the Hawaii stuff I did color correct I can't remember um which one I did but I just feel like for me to survive, like filming and editing everything myself, like I just have to keep it simple for now, or else I will lose my mind. So, yep, you, you heard it here first. I don't like color that's, correcting. And,
0: that's and, all right. I know you're not the only one. Yeah. Um And it, I mean, it's like it's a huge impediment to all sorts of production too. I mean, I've even been thinking about that. Like, oh, you know, I want to shoot some more Sony stuff lately, but I don't have a good S Log three LUT that I like to use. And if you don't. If you don't have that quick way to just make it look good instantly, you can kind of be in trouble. Um, I know because you're a Final Cut editor, right? I am, yeah. Cinematch just came out with a Final Cut plugin. So they were doing it for Resolve oh. and Premiere before. And basically, it just you plug in whatever um, camera you have and, it's, and which profile you shot with, and it'll make it look like whichever other camera you want. Um, and it's like, it's pretty great technology and I've just started dabbling with it. I want to try to really expand on using it to see if like, this is a viable way to do all our color grading, but it'd be awesome if it was like, whatever you shot it in, you just select those settings and it works. And there's advantages over, uh, like anybody that's done this before with say film convert, you'd have to download these big packages of like 500 megabytes to install a camera profile. Uh, you don't have to do that anymore. So it's a little more seamless. Anyway, so if you ever decide to shoot an S-log, Cinematch yeah. is a way to fix I can, it if you want.
1: I can get on board with that. It's like, I'm not against it. I just, like I said, like the time. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm losing my mind. Like this video needs to be up tomorrow. <laughs> I can't just sit yeah. here and color yeah. grade. Especially due it like like to, down I just definitely times. need to take courses. Yeah. True, that is true.
0: This episode is brought to you by privacy.com. Privacy is a tool that makes it really easy to manage your financial life online while keeping your most important information secure. By generating virtual numbers, privacy masks your bank information, so you never have to worry about giving it out to people that you don't know online. There are all sorts of times where suddenly you have a little bit of panic. like Let's say a website that you use all the time has their data leaked. This happens. I mean, we, we hate to hear about it, but even very trustworthy companies have had issues like that before. So with privacy in a situation like that, you've got a lot less stress because you know that all they got is the privacy numbers, which aren't your real credit cards. There's all sorts of different ways that they can secure your data. So you can take back control of your payments. You can decide who can charge your card, how much, how often, and you can close cards at any time. Plus you can make sure that you never are accidentally billed twice for the same payment or automatically upgraded to another service that you didn't actually consent to. And privacy is partnered with the good folks at 1Password. So you can create, use, and save privacy cards directly within your 1Password dashboard. All virtual cards created in one password have the same security benefits as your other privacy cards. And you can set spend limits, create single use or merchant locked cards whenever you want. So head to privacy.com slash stallman to sign up for an account. Privacy.com slash stallman. New customers will get five percent off on their first purchase. Once again, privacy.com slash stallman, sign up now, and thanks again to privacy for this part of the show.
1: But now we got the new the new MacBooks. So
0: Oh man, yeah. Well, yeah. So all of a sudden, export <laughs> times become a little less significant. Have you been able to edit anything on it so far, or are you just still are installing all the software?
1: I'm still installing a bunch of things, but I did edit um a, a, a two videos on it so far. They were very basic, though, so I haven't really given it the full, you know, test it deserves because I I got mine kind of late because I maxed it out, so it took a took a little bit to get here.
0: So the M1 Max Mac maxed out.
1: Maxed out, yeah, pretty much. 16 inch, which I think I I might want to get the 14 inch. I think I made a mistake. Oh wow, I know. So this is
0: something I've been thinking about a lot lately. Like I would, I want to have already done this video, but I haven't been able to get a hold of the the pro because yeah. So I'm using a pretty similar one, um, which is at this point still the review unit that they sent, which is the um, M1 Max with 64 gigs of RAM. So you know, less uh, storage, but everything everything else is all the way there. And the main question I'll be getting that anybody is either both in my messages and um, comments is photographers, filmmakers, do you need that? Or are you going to be able to get by with like the pro? Um, And I have a feeling that even if you get the 14 inch with the pro processor and 16, maybe 32 gigs of Ram, you are going to be totally fine. I think you can like run pretty much any professional production stuff even with those affordable ones. And I haven't proven that to myself yet. Mostly this is from watching other people's reviews. But that's awesome. Like I've seen people complain about that. Like these are very expensive computers. To me, it feels like the price of the minimum you need to spend went down. Most people can spend less on their next laptop because of this.
1: Well, you can also get, you can get the um, M1 Max in the 14-inch. You can also yeah, like there's right. So it's like there's really yeah, you can max that out as well. So it's like okay, the only thing is like the screen size. So you're really not losing performance in that smaller device. And yeah, I I think I made my title because I just did an unboxing for the because I was pressed with time, and I'm like I'll do a full review once I can actually spend time. And I was like unboxing my seven thousand dollar MacBook because that's how much it cost. And people were like you're you're bragging. I'm like I'm actually not like I would prefer not to spend that much money on it, but mm. like that's how much it costs to get this like beast of a machine. And I've actually been using um, when Apple sent me the M1 13 inch base level, like 256, like base level Mac. I use that for an entire year for everything, like almost everything. And I had with obviously an external hard drive. And like I was editing photos, I was doing 4K, I think even 8K content at some time. And, you know, I had some beach balls here and there, but like I used that for a year and it was it was incredible. So I really don't think people who get the Pro like I think that's even still going to be a huge upgrade. Or just even the M1 in general. It's it's crazy.
0: So what have been your main bottlenecks like both with the old one and even the new one? What what moments need to get faster for you to have a better computer experience? Because I've got a little list in my head, but I don't know yours too.
1: On the the new device, what needs to be faster? B-
0: both of them. even Just in general, like what are the things when you're working that you're like, oh, this is when I wait?
1: Um, you know what? I actually did have some, some final cut uh, issues again, but I think it also could just be like Monterey. Usually I try to not upgrade, you know, <laughs> until like four or five, six months after. So it could just be that. Um, but on the device itself, like I said, I've only spent like four or five days with it. Um so far like the battery seems to be much better uh, when editing I feel like my only complaint is, is it feels very heavy and bigger but is, as for our like it's I'm like so I didn't realize that during this pandemic I have now carry my laptop everywhere around my house and carrying the 13-inch M1 compared to now carrying this I'm like I need to start lifting weights because this is like significantly bigger
0: Well you are lifting weights by carrying this Yeah true
1: that is very true but I haven't heard the fan yet. So I'm very impressed with that. Like I am able, you know, I have final cut Lightroom. uh, I have like 20 apps open and I'm like, Oh, it's still working. This is, (laughs) this is much different than my experience on the M one base level uh, model. So um, I still need to figure out what I would like different. The notch doesn't really bother me, but when I see it, I'm like, Oh, this is different. But the, the new display is incredible. Um, the, the headphone jack, I like that it's kind of like a smart headphone jack. I'm not sure what it's actually called, but it can like detect what you have plugged in and kind of like adjust the audio accordingly, which is pretty yeah, cool. It's got like
0: the high impedance support for yeah. those uh, headphones. Yeah, no, I I mean, it just feels like they checked everything off the list. It's pretty insane, actually.
1: But I, I now use C-CF Express cards. Uh, so I'm like, oh, well, do right. I go back to using regular SD cards?
0: <laughs> I think maybe so. it's worth looking at. I've like I fall in love yeah. with the Sony Tough cards. Um, you know, I yeah. start off with just like one or two of them, and I would just why why would I buy any other new card really when for SD specifically because they just sure. feel like they're never going to break. I haven't had one break yet, but they are you know <laughs> waterproof and sandproof and everything proof, and they're really fast. And all of a sudden, it feels like you're moving to like a, a futuristic media type like sd now feels like the past and sony tough sd feels like a new thing even though it still is just sd cards they're so different that it's been they're a machine washable huge quality of life improved yeah <laughs> have you, we, you uh, done the tests
1: my sister and i had a shoot it was like two hours away we spent like four hours in the car we spent like all day filming like you know hired some people to help us we get home and um, I had her jacket and I was like, oh, I'm just I'm doing some laundry. I'll throw your jacket in the wash. And she calls me like 30 minutes later. I'm walking the dog. She goes, did you throw my jacket in the wash? I go, oh yeah, I thought I'd wash it for you. Because we were like sitting in dirt. She goes, the SD cards are in my pocket from the shoot today. And I'm like, oh my gosh. So I like sprint home and I'm like, the laundry cycle's almost done. I like take out the SD, the tough cards. And I'm like, and? meanwhile, I'm like, okay, it's... It, they worked. <laughs> so they worked because I think oh, they were water resistant up to right. like 20 yeah. meters or something. So yeah, definitely worth the investment. We're like, oh my gosh, if these don't work, I'm going to be very upset. Yeah. But- no,
0: I mean, hundred percent. Cause you spend, you know what they're like 50% more expensive or whatever, but you just made up all that money by not losing a shoot. Right. I, you know, that which exactly. suddenly becomes priceless with once you're worried about if all that time was wasted or not
1: 100 percent. oh i just realized actually so there was one flaw i did have with my macbook where some of like the attachments and dongles weren't working so i plugged in um uh, i which i've been using for a year plugged in my dongle for the cf express and it wasn't able to like read it and then i went down a rabbit hole of other people having issues with like adapters and stuff like that on the the new macbooks so that was my one issue so far
0: I saw that on Twitter. You were talking about that, and a few other people said basically yeah. the same issue and just specific card readers, things like that. Which is, yeah, annoying. Uh, I, the, the one that I've had is um, like memory leaks, where I'm not doing that much, but I'll get the warning that it's like all of your memory is being used up. You have to quit some apps, and I'm thinking, you know, this has 64 gigs, and I'm not using all of it. Like yeah, like there can be these moments where it it wants to crash when I know that it shouldn't. So. Um, But that seems to be an M1 issue going back a whole year now because other people had been reporting it for a while. So
1: I actually did have that issue. Oh, okay. Yeah, I had that issue on the M1 13-inch. It kept like, it was like freaking out. And yeah, it was the same thing. It was like, oh, all this is being used. I'm like, I don't have anything open. Like, what's what's the deal? So I actually did just recently have that.
0: Now that I think about it, I had that on the um, iMac as well, but it only had 16 gig or 8 gigs? Yeah. Like it had the minimum, the minimum RAM in it. So I had been blaming that. I was like, oh, I just don't have enough RAM. So that's the problem. But now I think it probably is whatever the, you know, whatever the issue is. So.
1: Yeah. And I use clean my Mac. So I'm able to like monitor and like hit like the, you know, make more space or whatever too, which is like
0: Mm -hmm. one of my
1: favorite apps, like not at all sponsored, but like, I love them so much (laughs) because I have it on every Mac. But yeah, I kept like saying (laughs) like free space, free space. And I was like, literally had to just keep clicking it so that I could export a video. It was a weird thing, but
0: well, the only good know. news I have is that it wasn't actually, it didn't really slow my machine down, at least on the new one. Anyway, I'd get the error and I could kind of just keep working and it was, it would be complaining, but I could keep doing stuff. So I don't know, oh. at least it didn't you know, ruin my day, um, th- <laughs> but I kind of wanted <laughs> to, to let people know. So overall, the main thing I think people should think about these computers is like they are, they, they could totally change your workflow because they are so super fast, you know, it seems like whichever one you get, whether you get the, you know, the 14 inch pro with 16 gigs of Ram or you max it out, they can make previously super slow workflows ridiculously speedy, but I want to temper some people's expectations because I think they might expect that to mean it's like a full solution for every problem in your life. Like you are, you will just always be happy and you'll never wait for your computer again. Um, so public service announcement, you'll still end up waiting for certain things. Like uh, in Photoshop, I definitely still wait for photos to load in and to save, which I think is weird. Cause like, I know how fast these hard drives are. They are stupid fast. <laughs> They're infinitely fast. Um, you know, faster than any other sort of storage device I've ever had access to. They're getting similar to what RAM speeds used to be, but I'm still waiting for Photoshop to save. Another common question I got was with Lightroom, as you flick through photos, there can be this moment where it loads in the preview of the next photo, which is really annoying when you're trying to sort through them quickly, right? You're just like going next, you know, for us, we'd be like next, and then give it two stars next, give it three stars. And you're doing that really quickly. And if the previews aren't instantly loading, you're always waiting for them. That still isn't fixed. So the biggest things that I'm still waiting on feel like they are Adobe issues, which is, really frustrating because you can keep buying better and better computers and you're still like, oh, I'm still waiting for a software update, really? Like not ideal. And I really ran into this when I was doing my Mac Pro test a long time ago. I was doing all these Lightroom tests with it and then I turned on the activity monitor. I'm like, oh, it's not using half the cores. Like it's not not multi-threaded for a lot of the main things that you do in Lightroom. So you can get as good of a computer as you want and it still doesn't get better. There's also Capture One, which is uh, uh, better in terms of the previews, but still not optimized for M1. Um, And there isn't like a metal optimized catalog software. So there's like Pixelmator and Affinity and there's all these Photoshop replacements, but there's not like a Lightroom replacement that's written just for the Mac. But do you use the Adobe suite for your photos? Is that how you edit
1: I do. Yeah. And I actually, like I said, I just got this one. So I just downloaded it and I was using Photoshop today. And I guess I did kind of notice there was a little bit of lag, but is it through, it's sort like the Rosetta though, right? It's not like actually built for the Apple Silicon. Oh yeah. Wait. They didn't
0: because isn't it or is it not i i thought they had done i th- like like did they? It. i don't know we, sh- we won't be the maybe. source on this because we're yeah we are somebody, not the source. somebody checking the chat room in real time
1: <laughs> can somebody no because i actually was like it's like download rosetta and i was like do i need it or am i downloading right. like the long ver- the wrong version of this and i had that right. thing today where i was like i should know this so i don't know so i need to also all know right. because maybe i downloaded the wrong version
0: all right chat room let us know and we'll we'll I confirm work in, in a few minutes
1: <laughs> But, Thank you.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, me too. Can you tell? But I mean, I know with Capture One, they didn't do it. They've said that they're not. And oh, by the way, this is a complaint about So recent news was like uh, Dropbox saying that they are not going to be supporting M1 until at least a full other year from now, which was the first time I thought about leaving Dropbox. I've heard a lot of it, like a lot of other tech people I follow have complained about Dropbox for years. And they're like, maybe I need something else because there's all these like technical baggage you get with it. It's using more on your computer than you really want it to. But this, the fact that they're not rewriting for Mac processors is the thing I'm like, that's a step too far. I, I, I want this to be optimized because it's always running on my machine. And I don't mm-hmm. want my battery dying faster. I don't want it to be slowing things down. I, I, this should be optimized. And they said they're not making it a priority. So I don't know. I, I, I want everybody to get on top of it.
1: Oh, yeah. I wonder, yeah, I wonder why that's a thing. I mean... And I feel like we have other options. So like if they don't adapt, then we just go somewhere else.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. And it actually it make, I've said this a few times, but I always think about like, this seems like the time that it would be so cool if Apple still did Aperture. Like, did you ever use it back in the day?
1: I didn't know. Because well, yeah. neither did
0: I really. I've I've kind of always used Lightroom. Um, I've dabbled in, in Aperture, but I chose Lightroom. But I bet it would be really fast. Like if Apple was developing their own photo Software like Final Cut that had a dedicated team—that's the one that would be exciting, right? That'd be the one where it's like, wow, this just like destroys the speed of of using Lightroom in the same way that Final Cut is so much faster than Premiere. It'd be super cool to have that for Mm -hmm. photos.
1: That would be amazing. Let's hope that they are. Let's put it out there in the universe, universe or anyone, (laughs) Apple. We, we want it, So we're ready.
0: We're, we're waiting for it. Yeah, br- bring it back. Because, yeah, th- there's <laughs> all this awesome third-party software for the other stuff, for Photoshop. It's just the, the like, catalog management and the batch editing and all that stuff that, um, yeah, we could really use a f- much faster option for because there just, there just aren't any right now. Yeah, it's true. Um, it's like the
1: hardware is there, but it's the software that is potentially holding us back.
0: Yeah, totally. which reminds me of, like, in iPads as well. Um, it's, there's always this like, wow, this hardware just keeps getting more infinitely amazing. I don't, I don't know what I'm going to run on it. So I don't know. Do you like, do you do productive stuff on your iPads? Are they part of your workflows?
1: (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Another, another crazy thing I Don't own an ipad which i know i mean i have before in the past (laughs) but i'm just so that's so overwhelmed with everything yeah clearance i actually i just don't own an ipad because i'm like i don't know like i have i have these laptops i have my phone half the time even it's like me i have a tv and half the time i'm just like looking at my phone and watching my phone like for a show so i just it's not in my workflow but they are nice. nice like i love the ipads i'm just like i can't deal with another thing they yeah. are so nice. Yeah, they're though. definitely an
0: optional part of my life. Like I like yeah. I like them a lot, but it's almost um an extra effort to go use it. It doesn't feel like really natural to me. But I think I probably will start doing the multi-screen thing more when I travel of um using it for like uh put, you know, in, when I'm editing in Final Cut for example, put the edit full screen on the iPads. So you can see it really big and then have all your mm-hmm. controls over on the other one. That's probably something I'm going to try to integrate more. That is, yeah. Like
1: like the sidecar is a, it's a really nice feature. It definitely is. But I feel like now with my, my 16 inch, especially coming from literally 13 back to the 16, I'm like, oh, I've got so much more space now, but um, yeah, that is, I do like the sidecar. And there are so many great things. I'm just like, I don't need another device right now. Like just going to keep it simple.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't blame you at all. Um, Oh, wait, back to your, back to your question. I'm going back.
1: I remembered something that I wish the MacBook had face ID.
0: That's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean Wish it had everybody it. said this, but it feels like with that notch it should have been in there. I mean, I bet I bet they somebody hoped it could be in this generation yeah, and it didn't pan out. Something about the hardware wasn't ready. For some reason they couldn't. They're like, okay, well, make it look the same and we'll add it when we can. Yeah. But it feels so. like it's missing. It's like it seems like it should be there. Uh, I've been using Top Notch. Have you seen that app yet? I haven't, no. It uh all it does is it redraws your background image to have a black bar at the top. So your notch disappears. Um, and I actually don't, that's not the reason I use it is because I don't mind the notch. Like I don't even notice it, but I don't like having the color of my background image bleeding through my menu bar. So, you know, when I'm, I've got final cut, basically full screen and I still have a menu bar visible because I don't do the full screen, full screen mode. I do. I just Mm -hmm. fill my screen with the app. Um, I don't want to see like blue shining through the back. I just want to have no colors other than the video. Um, yeah. So yeah, anyway, top notch, it's free and it's been great. It just makes the whole top of it black. So there's no extra colors. The notch disappears if that happens to bother you. But, um, I don't know, a little recommendation. Yeah, there.
1: That's interesting. No, I'll check it out. I mean, it's like, yeah, I could see what you're saying. It's like that color that's bleeding through and it's kind of like distracting. I also, yeah. when I was, I think I tweeted this, but I was like, I was typing, you know, iMessage, cause I message because I, talk to most of my friends on the computer because it's easier to type. And for the first time I went to use that touch bar to find an emoji. And I let out a gasp. I literally gasped. I'm like, oh, it's gone. I didn't even know I used it. And like, apparently I used it to find emojis. And that was basically it. So that was a, that was a shocking revelation. <laughs>
0: This episode is brought to you by The IntraZone. If you're looking for a new show to listen to, The IntraZone is a bi-weekly podcast with conversations and interviews hosted by the SharePoint team on how SharePoint, OneDrive, Teams, Viva, and more can work for you. You'll hear from guests and experts from behind the scenes and out in the field so you can see how SharePoint and Microsoft 365 into your everyday work life. You'll learn more about the flexibility when working with content, workflow, search, and more. Each show covers a bunch of different segments like news and announcements, a focused topic of each week, guest perspectives from product experts inside and outside of Microsoft, and upcoming events, conferences, and workshops. And there's really interesting topics for each episode, so previous ones have covered Microsoft lists, AI and machine learning, and cloud administration. Go and listen to it now. Just search for the intro zone in wherever you get your podcasts. That's I-N-T-R-A-Z-O-N-E or... Just click the link in the show notes. Go check them out. And thanks again to The Intro Zone by Microsoft SharePoint for their support of the show. So uh, something I was actually seeing you tweet today um, was... Oh, geez. <laughs> <laughs> it was it, I don't We don't need to go into the specific tweet, but you're just tweeting about a crypto thing that you did today. Oh, yeah. And it made me it just made me realize that I haven't talked about crypto at all on the podcast or in any YouTube videos or anywhere public. I just, all I've done is sometimes I complain about NFTs. Because I think a lot of the ways people use them are kind of stupid, but I do think crypto is interesting, and I pay attention to it. So why am I never ever talking about it? So I don't know. Since you are obviously also paying attention to it, I wanted to just yeah. be like, you know what what do you what are you thinking about crypto, and how are you interacting with it?
1: Crypto. Okay, so I think I made my first crypto purchase, which was Ethereum in 2017. I think I. Wow. My, it was like a $40 nice. at the time. And it was only because my friends were like, you should buy this, like download this app called Coinbase and, you know, put some money in, but like put in an amount that you're okay losing. And I'm like, okay, like, all right, sounds good. So that was like my first introduction. I'm like, I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm putting real money into like internet money and let's just see what happens. And, you know, thankfully... I've learned a little bit more since then, and also thankfully, I've held on to those Ethereum, which I believe it hit the all-time high. there yesterday or today is uh, like around like forty eight hundred. So that's nice. But yeah, uh, crypto in general, I guess I've been you know messing around with it for four years, but nFTs it's it's interesting because it's like you know we trying to explain it where it's like, oh, people are spending money for JPEGs. It's like yes <laughs> and no, like you are but also I feel like it really could be the future of, you know, how people get concert tickets, you know, how, how, you know, really anything. It's, it's interesting. Like, I think it's the beginning of the, you know something huge for the future, but it's so hard to understand. Like I cannot even say that I completely understand it because some of it is so over my head where I'm like, what, what does that even mean? And like, I saw you tweet, like I work in tech and like, this is too much. And yeah. it is, it's, it's insanely difficult. I feel like to to buy some of these tokens and to buy these NFTs. It's like you need this wallet and then you need this wallet and then do this transaction. I'm like, what? This is so much. Yeah, the
0: amount of like acronyms and you know four letter names of companies that you need to memorize. It's like I just when people talk about it in a really casual way to imply that it's simple, especially on Twitter, because you know I follow lots of techie people. So a lot of people are just like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, you just need then this long string of alphabet soup that it apparently has some kind of meaning um it's super confusing and hard to get into and i've had some more issues cuz actually canadian banks were really uh i don't know they like blocked a lot of nft stuff or just crypto stuff i try was trying to do like you just couldn't i couldn't transfer into coinbase um i couldn't oh. find any like any apps that i could transfer in through our canadian banks we tried to set up a us account just to transfer into it. And a U.S. Ab- account with the Canadian bank still wouldn't do it. So we would have actually had to like go to the U.S. to make a bank account for it. Anyway, since then, yeah, I've found some solutions. And like, so yeah, we have we have some amount of of crypto that's like just, you know, enough that, yeah, of course, like we can lose it, but we've seen interesting growth in it already. I think we've, we've really had it for about a year now and it's almost doubled, which is like really cool for not that amount of time. I mean, it's ridiculous. Yeah. But I, I do, I definitely feel like a, everything that's happening at this moment with cryptocurrencies and NFTs is so speculative. And like you, you just said with the NFTs, the interesting stuff is what we don't really have yet. I think mm. um, things like sure concert tickets or or, or whatever. I'm not thinking of <laughs> it's not here yet, so I'm yeah. not going to come up I, with yeah. on the spot. <laughs> but the the selling JPEGs, I'm just like, this is a weird bubble. This is not. You know these are not worth; they're just not worth millions of dollars. And my my main reason that I usually complain about NFTs is like, it's it's so similar to just purchasing the rights to an image. Like you could have bought uh, the you could have bought the Mona Lisa and the rights to its um, reproduction already. And you didn't need a tech solution to do that. You didn't need a blockchain to verify ownership. It's like there's legal ways to protect your ownership of an image. There's copyright and there's trademark and there's all sorts of infrastructure that if you want to own an image, you already could do it and it would Mm -hmm. be completely legal and you could pursue people that tried to reuse it. So that specific use case is just so uninteresting to me because it's like, cool, like you reinvented (laughs) stock photography with more energy consumption. Mm -hmm. So uh, yeah, I still feel like we're kind of waiting for that. Like what what is this actually going to be good for? In terms of coins, it's making a great return, but still kind of the same thing of like we're still waiting, I think, to see what's this useful for.
1: For sure. Yeah. And that's the thing too, it's where I'm like, okay, I mean, the inflation is like insane here. So I'm like, okay, like keeping money in my bank account, like it's losing its value. If I put it into crypto, like, okay, it could all go to zero tomorrow when I could lose it all. Or who knows, this like doubles in a week, triples in a week. Like it's definitely a gamble. And that's why I try to support like tokens, you know, that are backed by something like obviously Bitcoin, like Ethereum, now Solana, like I'm getting into Solana because it's, it's so fast. And there's like, you know, not a lot of the gas fees just, and stuff like that. Did you make a purchase?
0: Yeah, I mean, it was very small. Like I got $100. It's okay.
1: So- Dude, yeah. no, it's like, that's great. Like anything is like a start. And it's just, it's, and then there's all these meme coins where you're like, okay, I'll throw a couple hundred bucks at that. And if it moons, you know, you make $500 yeah, billion dollars or something <laughs> insane. As long but as you get NFT, out at the right moment. So that's my problem. You know, mm-hmm. I always just, it's it's a selfish game. You're like, oh, it's going to go higher. And then it just drops and you're like, oh, well, yeah. that's what you get for, you know. Yeah, the NFTs. it's interesting. Um, what's fascinating is these people I feel like like teenagers are like just these, you know, young adults, like making millions and millions of dollars of like, you know, studying this NFT world, buying these NFTs, reselling them. Like I have a friend, he's like, Yeah, I made a hundred thousand dollars in like Ethereum, just like buying and reselling these NFTs. Cause it's like when you buy them and you, you know, you mint them, then if you sell them, you if and they keep selling, you get a percentage of each sale that happens. So it's like it's fascinating, but it's also like, who is buying these? Like what, you yeah. know, like, no, it's I still mean, like that. Like who, I, who's I buying them?
0: That. Yeah. Who, who, who wants, I get buying luxury goods. Like, you know, the idea of like a Veblum good. That's just like, this is just expensive for expensive sake. And it's fun to look at because it's really nice. But when it's just a digital product that you don't get to experience in any different way from everyone else that's seeing your post of it on Twitter, like, I don't know. I just, that doesn't seem I don't worth Million million to me. I have,
1: but, like, people are buying them. So it's like, yeah. what am I doing wrong? How do I get into the space? How do I get more time to make NFTs? People are like, oh, you need to get into this. I'm like, with what time? I can't even color grade with, you know, I don't have enough time. <laughs> I can't take on another another task. <laughs>
0: and what like what would you publish as them? I mean, that's what I think about. I'm like, the things we make are pretty commercial. Like, they're not um, art, really. It's like either information about, you know, tech or stuff that I'm using or how to do yeah. things or we do commercials for clients, but like, do you have an NFT idea of what you would do?
1: That's the thing. It's like, kind of like my sister and I have been like chatting about something we might think would be pretty cool. And then it's also like, okay, like what if we're working with like maybe, you know, smaller artists who want to get their name out there. But the cool thing about NFTs is it's like, you don't really have to have like a huge audience. Like you can still get discovered, you know, even if you're you know, not like huge on the internet. Like it's just such an interesting world where like, if you get in and you know what you're doing, like it's, you never know what's going to happen. So I feel like that's, that's what makes it so fascinating. Like nobody yeah. really knows what's going to happen. So I, yeah, totally.
0: I wish I knew. It's, it's I, interesting and exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, for sure. I just, for, for anybody that it helps with too, I just want to say what I ended up doing for my crypto stuff and where I'm at right now. And I want to keep moving forward with it. I'm not, but anyway, currently, I uh, ended up using Wealth Simple to purchase the to purchase the coins. I'm doing air quotes here of the coins that we have so far. The thing with Wealth Simple is like you don't have a wallet. You don't have the coin. You're basically, you know, buying into like if, I mean the terminology is I'm mean, gonna use it all incorrectly, but it's like buying an index that's like tracking the value of these coins. So you know, wealth simple is keeping them in their own wallet, buying and selling them on your behalf, and you're able to cash out whenever. So effectively you can still profit off them in the same way but you never own the coin. So what I like about that is not having to manage a wallet in any way. It's just kind of maintaining a, a, a internet account. The downside is like you never really you never really own own it. So um, you know it, there could someday be if you're trying to get out of it quickly like maybe the servers go down and you don't have full control over whatever. But um, but it was very simple, like it was the easiest way to to kind of access them. So I am looking for uh, keeping, and probably going to keep that. And the next stage will be managing a wallet myself. Um, I used, I was using Coinbase, but they wouldn't allow the Canadian purchases, so uh, I left my Coinbase account. I'm looking for a new one now. So anyway, that's if anybody else has run into my problems.
1: What if you sent me money and I sent you money to your Coinbase wallet? Like how does that work? Well, Would that work?
0: So but that's what I can't do with Wealth Simple. It's just like it's just like investing in the stock market. Like you're just I don't have I don't have any coins. I couldn't send you coins because I don't have them. Yeah. I'm just like I'm betting on coins basically.
1: But what I'm saying is like if you that you wired me money or something and I bought them right. here and then sent you, you know, oh, to Ethereum. That's, that's
0: how we that's how we bought so our that's stuff what's on your- Coinbase. We did do that I for see. our first batch. So we had did. like one, gotcha. yeah, we had $1,000 on Coinbase, which, yeah, I had to like ask a friend a favor to buy them for me. And then okay. I'm like, well, I'm not going to keep asking people to buy me stuff all the time. So,
1: hey, I uh, got so you. Just I, let me know. I'll do that, it. But, <laughs> well,
0: I, th- I think there's some other ones. I think I've found a way uh, crypto.com seems to do more Canadian stuff. There's known one called cool. ShakePay. So I'm trying to navigate that space. But now I finally address crypto on this podcast. So
1: I love it. I'm so honored and I wish I, you know, had more knowledge. Like I'm trying. I'm learning. It's a huge space and it's like things change every single day. It's wild. Yeah, but this
0: is where all of us are, I think. It, you know, even people that follow the the tech world. It's like there's a lot happening. It's changing incredibly fast, so really having clarity about what the right thing to do with it is not is not easy right now. So I don't know, we're, we're working on it and they'll report back if I figure out uh, the just the right token to go to the moon.
1: And I think the best advice is um, you have to put in what you're comfortable losing. Like this is not a sure thing. Like we are not financial advisors. I have made a lot of big mistakes in the crypto world. So definitely keep that into consideration because um, it can all go to zero. You never know.
0: So fo- following up on a few minutes ago, uh, Mark reported back uh, that there is a, uh, M1 compatible Photoshop, but it has no bugs and is missing some features. So I don't know. I, okay, I got to research good. this more later, but that was, that was the follow-up. Okay. Um, Thank
1: you, chat. We appreciate that. <laughs> uh,
0: I also, we, we left Lightroom and I had one more thing to say about Lightroom before,
1: uh, that I forgot to say before,
0: but, uh, I'd been playing with the masks. Have you tried the new, um, artificial intelligence masks that are auto-generated in Lightroom?
1: I haven't. No. It's it keeps like, telling me it's like, it's here's really, a tutorial. Really cool. And I'm like, skip for just, now. I'll mess with this later.
0: You don't even have to watch the tutorial. It's super easy to use. I just okay. stumbled on it. Basically, I was I was experimenting with Lightroom CC or normal Lightroom that isn't Classic, which it's so hard to actually talk about these. I hate the naming. Um, I always use Classic, so I want to manage my files. But I was like, you know what? Let's just see what's going on over there. And I just found the button to generate masks, and it says, "Do you want to select the subject or the sky?" And I'm like, okay, well, let's try the subject. And it just perfectly masked out in these photos. It was photos of my wife, Anya, and she was just perfectly, it was just her. There was, like, nothing else selected. And I did the sky, and it was, again, like, exactly correct. So all of a sudden, you can have this really powerful ability to just make your subject brighter, the background darker, which is, like, I mean, half the time that's what you're doing. But it's, I, I I've been using Capture One for the past year, like, full time, And all of a sudden I've been doing the last few batches of photos in Lightroom because this is just such a crazy, powerful feature and so fast to work with. So I just want to encourage anybody, if you haven't updated your Lightroom lately, also it it is in classic. It's not just in the regular one. um, Go try it. It's really cool.
1: Yeah, that's incredible because I feel like half the time that's what I'm like manually doing anywhere. I'm like, you know, selecting the subject or the sky and, you know, adjusting that way. So I'm definitely going to have to check that out. The sky replacement. That's an
0: yeah. That's in yeah. Photoshop, right? Do use Lightroom Classic or Lightroom.
1: Lightroom, yeah. For a right. while there, I'm like, what? What is this? What is this CC? What? Are, like, just give me Lightroom. <laughs> <laughs> give me the normal Lightroom. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's super. I love confusing. Lightroom. I, so great. I was trying to look for tutorials for normal light for not classic Lightroom, and typing that into photo into Google is like you just don't find anything. Which is, I think, the, the best evidence that this is a bad name is that if I say like Lightroom tutorials, they're all Lightroom Classic tutorials. So I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's, well, maybe you can make one then. Well. Yeah, I it's I, I know, I or it's titular.
1: like a, a video from like 2007. You're like, this is this has been updated seven thousand times since then.
0: <laughs> yeah. No. Exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, it has made me consider Lightroom more. I kind of, I've kind of enjoying actually like using. Both Capture One and Lightroom. Have you ever played with Capture One at all?
1: I haven't. No, I've always been Lightroom.
0: Yeah, it's it's like at some point I felt like I had to learn it because it's really the standard in most commercial studios. Like if you walk into a studio, that's always tethered, right? Like just plugging the camera into a computer and shooting to a big screen, they're like always using Capture One because that's always been better than what Lightroom does. And so having been on Lightroom for years, I was like, okay, well, I should learn this. I should, you know, know what the pros are using. And there's a lot of things that are really nice about it. It's it, but all of a sudden the challenge of when you start going back and forth the software is you start noticing what you're missing. Like you start you get used to these extra features that are over there. Like Capture One mm-hmm. has all these skin selection tools. So you can like just target skin tones and manipulate them really precisely. There's none of that in Lightroom, but now there's this masking thing that's not there in Capture One. So now, whichever one I'm using, I feel like a little bit handicapped because it doesn't have what the other one has.
1: Oh man, like a blend would be nice of them. Half the time too, like for a while there, when I was traveling, I would just be editing in Lightroom on my phone and it actually did a, it was like a pretty enjoyable experience. Like it had like all the features. I'm like, oh, this is great. Like these, this is, I don't need my computer. I'm just editing on my phone. Definitely prefer to do it on
0: yeah what do you mostly use now if you're using if you are going to edit something on your phone do you have a go-to
1: um the iPhone like honestly like the iPhone the iPhone editing just the iPhone editing like not not even an app just like honestly yeah just like in the photos like I feel like they've done a really good job of you know, adding all the necessary things that I would need. Um, but if I do want to, if it's like a picture that I take, um, like from my camera, usually I will use Lightroom. But honestly, yeah, I feel like the iPhone itself with all the, the editing features, it's it's been, maybe I've just, I started caring less. It's hard to say. <laughs> it's like for a while there, I was like very particular about what I was posting on Instagram. So maybe my, maybe I've just cared a little bit less, but I, I still think that the the iPhone just in phone editing is, has been pretty great, but.
0: Yeah. It's, and it's gotten way better too, the, but the Photos app was missing a lot before and now it's like a complete app. It's got all the stuff that you want and even a few features that aren't really fully supported anywhere else. Like, oh, actually mm-hmm. I did find some really cool stuff recently though, where, uh, so both Lightroom and I was playing with the focus app, uh, Lightroom now supports the depth mapping that an iPhone will do in portrait mode. So if you import into Lightroom, you can identify those different layers of distance and then yeah, due to like darkening the background or oh, all that manipulation based on where the subject oh, is, cool. which is super cool. I mean, yeah, it seems like this is where everything's moving eventually that hopefully even our fancy cameras would be able to differentiate that, you know, spatial hope so. recognition.
1: Yeah, I hope so. That's really cool. I haven't tried that yet because I, like I said, I I haven't been leaving the house. So like I haven't been going anywhere. I think this weekend I'm going to force myself to go like maybe Yosemite or somewhere to like go take some pictures and like get back to that because I feel like editing photos is definitely something I enjoy more than video and like photography just in general. So I'm, I feel like I've made so many videos where I'm sick of seeing myself and I'm sick of editing myself. So I want to go take pictures of nature.
0: <laughs> well, yeah. What was your like entry point into, into YouTube? I guess like was it video uh, being interested in videos or was it like storytelling? How, what was the first thing that you wanted to do when you started making videos?
1: Um, so, I mean, I was always helping my sister, Justine, who, you know, obviously has been doing this way longer than me. And she's like, help me with this video or like, what should I do for a video? And she will always say, she's like, half the videos, like you were the reason why they happened because like you had these ideas and I just had a YouTube channel and, you know, we did this stuff together. So we were always just doing stupid stuff, you know, 2000, what, 2006, 2007, just like making dumb YouTube videos. And one day she's like, you just need to make a channel. And I'm like, no, I don't want to like, I don't want to be on camera. And I just did it. And I was in college at the time. Like I have a friend's like biology degree and a biology degree. Whoa, and cool. after, yeah, it's like so random. Um, but then like, I was like, oh, this is actually kind of fun. Like, you know, having these creative things and just filming my life. And it's cool to like go back on and like see what see what I'm doing. And I just, I always did like tech. Like my my dad has always been interested in tech. I think he had a drone before we even did. And I don't know. I just was like, this is cool. You know, now I'm kind of, Doing it for myself and you know still helping my sister, and I just I don't know I, I like the vlogs because I I was always doing stuff like always traveling and always you know doing different things and like that was kind of nice because I was like documenting my life so even if you know the internet didn't like it like I like it to look back on and then you know over the past eleven years we've just transitioned to to tech and there was some really bad cooking there for a while and stuff like that so it's been a journey. <laughs>
0: I'm missing out on that like personal documenting thing when there's a lot, I mean, especially lately, I feel like I've done a lot of like tech heavy videos where there's really nothing about me in it, which for the people watching, I don't know if it matters whether I there's any of my personal story or not, but I like the ones that document a trip that we want, went on or have something where I, I can look back on in the future. I mean, it's so much more interesting to me. But then, I, you know, when I look back at all these like sitting at a desk, just like holding a product, yeah. doing a review of it, I'm like, mm, that's not very interesting for very long. And it's not as fun to be nostalgic about Like I don't know if I'll go back and watch a lot of the like reviews that I did because there's nothing special in them. It's mostly those things like vlogs that I, I do – Like, yeah, I really like going back to it.
1: And that's like what I want to do. Like, I want to start incorporating like tech into like a vlog. But I feel like half of the stuff has been so it's like, okay, this video needs to be up in four days, three days tomorrow. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, well, I, you know, I'm just doing the best that I can to get this video out on time. But it's like, I, I really want to try to prioritize maybe next year. I can, you know, make this more of a priority, like making it something that like, it's going to be different. You know, I'm not seeing at a desk I'm, I'm out. And I feel like that's what I used to do. I'm like, Oh, I'm just going to go for like a weekend trip, you know? this new drones out fly a drone, you know, you know, do that type of stuff. But it's, it's just hard because I feel like this tech season has been so saturated. And so it's exciting, but I'm like, I mentally and emotionally and physically am so tired and I'm not producing like the best content that I want. I'm just like surviving. So I definitely, definitely want to try to do more of the vlog stuff. And honestly, editing vlogs is way easier than like a MacBook or like a review of like a device. I'm just like, Hey, look at them climbing this mountain. (laughs)
0: Yeah. 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 Totally. Well, it, it's for me, I end up, I don't know. Cause I, n- I never do those like just like actual vlogs. If I do something yeah. vlog style, I'm still doing a review. So on my end, it means that when I do stuff on location, it's infinitely more time than if I True. just sit down in the studio. So a lot of the times like, well, can I put out these, you know, what I think are more interesting videos that won't necessarily get any more views. Sometimes they, they, bomb you <laughs> know the ones i'm like this is way better this is so much more interesting just watch that one but then people watch I know one where i'm sitting at a desk and doing nothing
1: or i posted like a vlog where i basically shot half of it on like the front facing camera it's like terrible and it does like 10 times better and i'm like right. but what about this video i just spent a lot of money and a lot of time and energy on They're like now nah, we like that one i'm like okay well yeah. i guess that's you got, good
0: <laughs> you can't you got to give up control over that you can't uh, decide what people are gonna like um I just no, I, I reached over and I picked I picked up the last topic that I wanted to hit today cuz I just realized I have a Pixel 6 Pro sitting beside me that I've not talked about anywhere. Ooh. I'm not going to make a video about it, so this is my this is my moment to do it. I actually have to send it back cuz it's it's not mine. It was basically a review unit. So I did do some tests side by side with the iPhone 13. I'm going to be posting those on Twitter um probably tomorrow and it was it was interesting. It's like Pixel, I used to do pixel reviews pretty often because there was a moment where they really pulled ahead, right? Like the way that they would do th- what we now call smart HDR. Uh, what is the general term for that? Um, you know, just uh, computational photography. They were the first ones to really do that in an interesting way. And so the around the end you know, Pixel 2, it was doing things that the iPhone couldn't do. But now for a long time, the Pixel hadn't updated their actual camera system. The hardware was staying the same. All of a sudden, now in the sixth, they've come back and readdressed the hardware. So we have some actual new cameras inside. Um, and there are things, the thing that I like the most actually is having a lot more lenses. I haven't had an Android phone since there were, last time it was three lenses. I haven't had this like four, five, six, however many lenses you can buy on Androids now. But <laughs> it's actually great. There was an example the other day that, you know, I was switching back and forth between the wide and the tele... The, so there's one times and four times zoom on this. Four times is too far, but there's also two times. And, you know, it's not digital, it's not cropping in or anything. It's an actual two times lens. And I'm like, oh, that's exactly the right amount of zoom. That's in between was really practical. So um, I'd still like iPhones to do that because I'm you know a fan of iOS and I'm going to keep using an iPhone as my primary device, but that's when I enjoy picking up an Android is to find those things. That like, what did I not even know that I was missing out on?
1: No, 100%. And it's always like the comments that are like, well, Android had that years ago, you know, <laughs> like an iPhone video. And you're like, Oh, I know, I know. Um, I haven't had yeah. a chance to check it out yet. So I've only been seeing some reviews and stuff and people complaining about the, the, the camera, what are they calling it? bob bump um but i'm like I hey, think it looks yeah, cool yeah, but, i'm like it's a, uh, it's I a new it looks, look
0: i like the design a lot i think it's a nice yeah. looking phone like the, the visor or whatever design we have on what, the front of it
1: yeah it's cool like i think it looks cool yeah and i remember too i i don't remember which pixel it was but i think it was before the iphone was doing like decent night photography and i remember like right. I my sister was doing a review and i'm like oh my gosh that looks so good and i like took yeah, a picture on my amazing. iphone i was like this is this looks like trash. So I will say that they definitely did a good job. You know, they were kind of like leaders when, when the, the night stuff came out. Um, yeah, yeah I, sure. I haven't, I haven't tested one out yet. I'm, um, I've just been watching yeah. well, reviews. So
0: it's not gonna be my full-time phone. Cause I got to send it back. But anyway, those, those are my quick first impressions. Um, and it did actually just in terms of image quality, it felt, um, very similar to the iPhone, but always different. There's very few photos yeah. that came out looking the same. I think it would be hard you won't always know which was which because they just make different decisions and it's not really clear which, like, one's not way more saturated or something, but when I was reviewing the photos afterwards, I'm like, these are not the same. Somebody uh, you know, at these tech companies is making creative decisions to differentiate them, so.
1: Anyway, Interesting. My I feel like my, my thing with the reviewing. Samsung too is anytime I take, like, a picture on the Samsung, I'm like, this looks like the best picture I've ever taken because, like, the screen is so good, but then when you throw them right. into, you know, Lightroom or Photoshop, you're like, oh, it's this looks nothing like Same. what it looked like on the screen. So I'm always like, oh geez, like what? Well, I have been, I have been fooled. So I'm i was curious to, to see, yeah, like yeah. what? Yeah, like I've been lied to. It's so, like I'm always curious to see, like what the actual raw picture looks like, like coming right out of the phone as like a comparison. That's always what I like to yeah. see.
0: Yeah. Well, and now if you're into that punchier look that you get from Androids, there's photographic styles on the iPhone, so you can turn up the vibrance a little bit and get a little more punch out of it. Did you end up using any of those in your regular iPhone use?
1: Um, I mean, not really. Um, yeah. no,
0: neither <laughs> did I. I just that's what uh, just uh, I'm doing. No, s- I honestly
1: I forgot, and like when I unboxed my phone, I was like, Oh, this is so cool, I can do my styles, I'll do it later, and then I completely forgot. So I've yeah, just been reminded, I yeah, this... I don't even know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> cool. Well, no, I super appreciate you coming on, and uh, like. I was saying if anybody enjoys podcasts at all, then Same Brain is 100% where you should be. And if you like vlogs, you should also be watching Jenna's because she does them. And if you like tech reviews, you should be watching those too. I mean, anybody listening to this probably already does. But thanks again for coming on, Jenna.
1: Oh my gosh, thank you so much. This was awesome. I really, I had a great time.